so the, this morning, um, God is definitely speaking, which is amazing. Uh, this morning, when I was getting ready uh, at home, I was thinking of, we, we have a phrase that we use back at our church, and um, there's an event called The Return. Uh, we use it on there uh, a lot, but it's called, um, we, we say the Father has more. We always say the Father has more. Uh, and what we try to do on these events is we set the table, and it's really up to you as the participant as to how much you're going to eat. Um, and sometimes we can only eat what we're a willing to give um, and I'm not talking financial, I'm talking from our hearts. You know, we, we can only give, we give so much, uh, and then uh, God just feeds us uh, and feeds us and feeds us. And so this morning, as I was just thinking about this service, I, I, I felt that there was a, a table that was set before us. And Lish, when you talk about what the worship team it, it was, it was feeling about hunger, God wants you to come to him. He wants you. Two weeks ago when I was here, um, this is amazing how this is all coming together, but uh, before I jump in, I'm going I'm to pray. Heavenly Father, we just acknowledge you. We thank you that you are here. We give you this word. We give you this time. Uh, Lord, I pray for a fresh anointing to clearly speak your word and what it is that you have for the people. Not my words, your words. Your words give life, Lord God. The entrance of your word brings light. Lord, speak, reveal, show yourself to these people. Lord, today, each of us, God, we come hungry to partake of what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yeah, two weeks ago when I was, I was here, uh, we talked about clarity. Uh, and, and really, within that clarity, it was building our trust for uh, to, to, of what God has for us. Um, so what we needed to do is we needed to go in. If you remember this, we needed to go into his presence to experience all that he has for us. Allow him to work in us, to work on us, and in order to work through us, okay? So I was gonna, about five weeks ago when I was preparing these messages, I came up with the title, In and Out, okay? But then I was like, okay, well, they're going to think of a hamburger joint, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like, and so which does line up with hunger, which is cool, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but then I was also thinking in and out, I don't want you thinking of a belly button. Okay. So, so like, I was like, I had to change the, uh, the, the title a little bit. So last time it was clarity. All right. So that's a little bit more spiritual. Um, but really the, the, the point is going into God's presence we go in there and we get healed. We find hope, joy. We find out who he is. We listen for his heartbeat. So then that can impact us to be able to go out. So the go in part is into his presence. The go out part is what we are all called to do today. Okay. And that's where we're going to go. So uh, Mark 16, 15, uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to have you go to Exodus chapter 3, okay? And then I'm going to have you go to John chapter 4. So if you want to kind of get there, those are two scriptures that we're going to, we're going to touch on for just a second, uh, in just a second. But uh, Mark, Mark 16, 15 says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It is so clear in the word that our, our commission is to go. We've got to go out. Um, but we can't go out until we go in. Correct? Amen? Okay. All right. Um, and so just to illustrate this a couple times, in Exodus, we get the, 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 the book of Exodus starts with uh, the people of Israel in bondage. They're in Egypt uh, under, under Pharaoh's rule. Um, they are slaves in Egypt. <clears throat> and then God raises up a, a, a man called Moses. So if you remember the story of Moses, uh, Pharaoh is, is basically killing all the firstborn boys. Okay, He does not want anybody coming to take his place. Um, so he's killing all the, the firstborn boys. Moses' mom puts him in a basket, puts him into the river, and then sends him down the river. That would be a good time to be quiet because that is, I cannot fathom putting my baby in a basket and sending it down the river in hopes that it ends up somewhere good. Knowing that it's better in the river than it is in my own house is amazing faith, okay? Um, or craziness, but let's call it faith because we know how the story ends. So he, she sends Moses down. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter sees the baby, gets the baby, brings Moses into Pharaoh's house. And, and there's a lot more to the details of the story, which you'll have to go in and read it because it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, so, but basically she brings Pharaoh in. So now Moses is raised in Pharaoh's house learning Pharaoh's ways, learning Pharaoh's, the, 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 I'm going to say the laws of the land. I don't, that's not really what I mean, but uh, learning the things that, that Pharaoh would teach. All the while, knowing, because this has been instilled into him, knowing that he's just not part of Pharaoh's house. He just doesn't belong there. Again, you got to read the story. So he, he, he's out one day and he sees the, the Israelites working. They're slaves. They're working hard. They're, the labor is, 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 is horrible. And he sees this Egyptian beating some other uh, Israel, Israelites. And so Moses kills him. Moses kills the Egyptian. And then the next thing you know, Moses is running. He's made a horrible decision. He's reacted and he's just, he, now he's on the run. And he ends up in the desert, in the wilderness. Uh, you know, fast forward, he ends up getting married uh, and he's working in his father-in-law's house. He's tending sheep. And one day Moses goes in, he's, he's out tending sheep and he sees this bush on fire. But the bush is on fire, but the bush is not burning. And so he says, I'm going to turn aside and look at this. <laughs> I love how the Bible. <laughs> so Moses said, I will look aside. No, so he looks aside and uh, sorry, you guys got to know what's going on in my brain at different times, but this is how I read the word. And uh, 
But so he turns aside, he looks, and he sees this, this, um, this bush burning, and that's where we're going to pick up in verse uh, uh, 4 of Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 says, So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, God said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Verse 6, Moreover, he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I surely have seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land, from that land to a good and large land to a, la a land flowing with milk and honey for the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Verse nine, now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me and I have also seen their oppression which, with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now therefore and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. In the presence of the Lord is where Moses now gets commissioned. In the presence of the Lord is where Moses hears the heart cry of the father who has heard the heart cry of the people. I can't know what's on God's heart without being in his presence. But once I do, then I get to go out. Yes. I go out. Because who did he use? God could have delivered the people himself, but what did he do? He chose to use Moses to go out to speak to Pharaoh and to bring the people out of Egypt into a land flowing with milk and honey into a, a, a life of salvation, into a life of freedom, into a life of hope, into a life of joy. God chose Moses to go out and today he chooses you to go out. Moses was not uh, jumping for joy at this command. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this back in the summer even. Moses was reluctant to go, but as Moses continued to go into his presence, he, he continued to hear the instruction of God to be able to go. And he just put one foot in front of the other, one sandal in front of the other. Day after day, after battle, after battle, after complaint, after complaint, he just kept going. Remember when Moses went up onto the mountain into the presence of God and he came down and his face shined? Yeah. Shined? Shone? whatever. <laughs> Remember that? And so the people were like, don't, don't look at us. You're so bright. Your face is shining. You will radiate the glory of God. When you go out, you will radiate the glory of God when you go out, yes. but you got to go in first. <clears throat> Let's go to uh, John chapter four. 
This, this story has been on my mind for a long time. And uh, um, hang on, my notes got messed up. Right there it is. Okay. Um, in John chapter four, we read about the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman, if you remember, um, I'm going to read you this story, okay? It says in chapter four, verse one, just listen up. And if you got your Bibles, follow along. I'm reading in New King James, just for those that wonder. Okay, therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made, a, uh, made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. Okay. If you know anything about this scripture, Jews and Samaritans didn't exactly get along. Okay. There was, there was societal differences. There was religious differences to where they did not even, um, communicate. In fact, you were looked down on if you communicated with them. So you have Jesus who, go, who's, who says, I need to go through, Samaritan, or through Samaria. He had an appointment in Samaria that he knew about, but nobody else got, okay? So he goes in there. It says, going to verse seven, it says, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaria, or Samaritans, sorry. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is too deep. Where will you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will come, to, come in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. The woman said, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you have said, well, I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. The woman said, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our prophets or our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. The, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. 
Then the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. Hundreds of years before this day, there was a well dug by Jacob. Did you catch that? Jacob's well. Our father, Jacob, who gave us this well. Hundreds of years before Jacob built this well, not knowing what would take place of an interaction between the Messiah, Jesus, and this woman, the Samaritan, the Samaritan woman. This was a life-changing event for this woman who knew that there was a Messiah coming, but her life was so messed up, she kept looking for answers, she kept looking for love, she kept looking for acceptance, she kept looking to fill a void in many, many, many different ways, but in one interaction with Jesus, her life was forever changed. One interaction. This well right here that we are standing in was dug years and years and years and years ago so that maybe today you would be here that you would have an interaction with Jesus that would forever change your life. This is a well. This place is a well that has been dug. There is living water flowing from this place that you can come and drink from every single day. Jesus, the presence of the Lord, every single day wants to fill you. And the world is dying of thirst. It's dying of thirst. And we have this opportunity to take this water out to people. What did she do? Going down to verse 28. Then the, uh, the woman then left her water pot. So let me, let me just go back. This woman would carry these water pots on her shoulders. And most of the women would go during the morning when it was cool. Not this woman. Because she was an outcast. Her lifestyle, people rejected her because of her lifestyle. You'll notice that Jesus didn't. He bid her to come. So she's there in the heat of the day and that's when this interaction comes. Jesus knows the time to be there. He knows where she's going to be, when she's going to be there, what her condition is, what her life has been like. There is no hiding our lives from Jesus. So she says, she goes in verse 28, then the woman left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? There was no longer this shame, this trying to hide anything like that in her life. She's like, listen, I just met the one. He freely, he told me everything about my life and you've got to meet him because he'll do the same for you. Most of us will not want anything exposed. Those rooms in our hearts, it's amazing. But when we come to Jesus, we allow him, we allow him access into those parts of our hearts to be able to bring healing to us that we also might bring healing to other people. Okay, so how do we go? What what does this even look like? 
I wrote down a few, few different ways where we can go. The first place we're going to go is we're going to go in our home. So I titled this part of the message, Go. You can say go out, but I want you to just go. You've got to go first into your home. Mind you, you've already gone into the presence of the Lord, but now you've got to go in your home. What does that look like? Like practically, what does it look like to go into your home? Maybe it looks like reading your Bible, praying, worshiping in front of your kids. I get going into your secret place. Okay, I get that part. And we need those, those times. But your kids also need to see that this faith is real in your life. Yeah. Maybe it looks like in your home, speaking life to one another. Yeah. One thing I don't want to do is just come up here and give you a whole list of things to do. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to communicate to you is there is ways that you can go into your home that will bring light into your home. And it, when you get into to God's presence, he's going to show you these things and it's going to bring light. It's going to bring joy. It's going to bring peace into your home. Maybe it's sitting together as a family on our back room. I told you about the back room, you know, right? Walk in circles. <laughs> uh, last, last time I was here in our back room, we've got a, a couch and some chairs and the kids will just come back and we'll find ourselves for an hour longer, just sitting there talking about who knows what. And usually with 11 people in the house, there's four or five people talking at the same time. So you got to follow the conversation. <laughs> but look, get in your home. Just kind of stop what you're doing and be present. Put the phones down. Engage with one another. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, love your husbands. Let your kids see what a healthy marriage is. If you're not married in your, your home, you're, you're single, you're in your home, use it as, make it a sanctuary that when people come over, they notice the presence of the Lord. Maybe it's what you don't allow in your home. Maybe that's a way to push back darkness. How else can we go? We're going to go in our church. Well, isn't the church supposed to be the lighthouse? Well, yeah, but it's also made up of a bunch of people that are lights. You are the light. Yeah. Jesus is a light in us, but each of us carry a candle ourselves. Right. But in here, what does it look like? How do we bring light into our, into our church? Maybe it's not gossiping. We use a, a phrase, you're either carrying a gas can or you're carrying a water pot. A gas can continues to feed the flame. Maybe if there's gossip or backbiting or something like that, you can throw gas on it and, continue, and like boost it, or you can throw water on it and squash it. You're the light. You represent this word to many people. Maybe it's serving. See, when you've gone into the presence of the Lord and you've allowed him to transform your life, 
You want other people to know that. You're like, man, I want people to come through that door and experience what I've experienced. And so I'm going to make this the best experience they possibly could have. And I'm going to make it all set up so that God can do his thing. We all have a part. We've all got to participate in this, this going. There's an 80-20 rule. 80% of the people get to sit back while 20% of the people do the work. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That's a better way to say it. That's tough. Imagine if in this body it was different. 80% of the people did the work. We are going to impact a community. And that's the very next thing. Where else do we go? We go in our home. We go in our church. We go in our community. We're going to take that light. I I really wanted to do this lantern thing. It, It was all great in my mind, but it didn't work when I actually tried to do it. But it's just this lantern this light, we're all one single light, but then we, when we go out, we're all different rays of light yeah. that go out. Single source, Jesus, yeah. but we go out and we're impacting. I cannot go. I'm in Battle Creek. I cannot go downtown St. Joe unless I'm very intentional. Maybe I'm stopping by the mason jar. I don't know. <laughs> Shameless plug. No, um, but, but I go out in Battle Creek. I go into my workplace. I go into our community. You go out into your workplace, your community, the stores you're in, the, the restaurants. What does that look like? Maybe we're tithing or we're, we're, we're um, tipping. Thank you. We're tipping. We can tithe too. That's another way. Actually, that is written down. And that was my kids. My kids said tithing. I asked them, I'm like, what's some ways that we can show light? They're like, well, you can tithe. You can be baptized. You can praise and worship. These are the thoughts my kids had, literally, of how we can be lights in our church. But in our community, maybe we're tipping. We're going into our restaurants, and we're being a good example. You always know the table that Jillian has been at, because all the plates are nicely stacked when we're all done. All the, the napkins are in a different pile. It looks like the waitress or waiter has nothing else to do. They just gotta take the stuff and go. We just try to be an example with the kids, but we're going very practical. We're going, you know, every day we've got to get up and we've got things that we're going to face and we have no idea what that day is. We have no idea what we're going to face in a given day. And sometimes that's overwhelming. But when we can start our day knowing that God is right there, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I can acknowledge him the moment my feet hit that floor, actually the moment my eyes wake up. I can acknowledge him You know, I've seen Jillian. We, we've, I talked about the return, the men's return. We have a, a women's one called The Journey. 
And I have seen the light that has radiated from Jillian since she went on her, her journey. It's a four-day event where you just get away, women get away, and they spend time with Father. And he speaks to them in tremendous ways, mind-blowing ways. And they find healing, they find freedom. And the way that Jillian has gone out from that in her hunger to see women free, to see wives free, to see daughters free, but she had to go in first. And now her passion to go out. The way that the light radiates when she's ministering one-on-one. -on -one. Every single day at work, I have no clue what those conversations are going to be. I, I have preset things that I'd like to talk about, but I always start with, what's on your mind? Because I know I could talk all day long and there might be even people in here, you're like, well, you just shut your mouth because right now the noise inside my head is way too loud. I can't even hear what you're saying. I get it. I just want you to know I acknowledge that. So when somebody comes in and I say, what's on your mind? I'm able to, to allow them to express a stress or something that is of concern to them. And I'll, I'll say oftentimes, I'm like, I, I get to minister to people who may never step foot in the church. So that's my ministry. One day this guy comes in and he had canceled an appointment. And so, you know, I was like, that's kind of weird, but whatever, it happens. But he comes in, I said, what's on your mind? I knew that his wife had, had, had to go to the hospital. Come to find out, I think she's under 40. She had a, brain, uh, a tumor. She ha was having some headaches, found out she had a tumor. So they're in a long road. But in there, I found out he had started going to church. And he said, you know what, I need to minister, or I I'm trying to, to, to fix some things in my life. And through that, because I had prepared this message, again, four or five weeks ago, I was able to minister about the Samaritan woman and her trying to fix herself, not happening. But in the moment she met Jesus, he began to heal her. It was very simple. I had a grandpa one time come in and I said, what's on your mind? He goes, would you mind calling my grandson? He won't leave his room. And I looked at him, I said, the life of your grandson means more to this, me than this job. So I picked up the phone and I called him. You don't know what you're gonna face in a given day. I know we face things, that's why we go into the presence, but we know we need to go into the presence. There's so many people that don't know that they need to go into the presence. You might be here today and you don't realize it's in his presence. 
You've been looking and looking and searching and searching and trying and trying and nothing's working. It's because you need the one, the one who can help heal your heart. Maybe you're here today and you've sat in the seat a little too long. Hear what I'm saying? Meaning we don't get up and we don't go out much. We don't minister the word much. And just like Moses, there's some reluctancy. I get it. Trust me, I get it. But God has placed something inside of you that as you seek him and you ask him for for his heart, He will give you his heart and he will send you to your assignment for the day. I pray every day, Lord, order and direct our steps. Give us divine appointments, ministering opportunities. We got to go out. This community, the people that will step foot through that church, our homes need us. They need the light of Jesus Christ. Would y'all stand with me? It is so important that you get what I'm saying. Life is intended to flow through you. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, that you will begin to work on people's hearts, that you will begin to speak to them. Your heart, your purpose, your desire to work in them and work through them. And you might be here today and you're like, I've I've never met the one that you're talking about. I've never met the one that can heal my heart. You might be able to to say, you know, I'm not even sure if my heart is right with God today. Maybe you hope it is. Maybe you think it is. Maybe you say, I've tried to be a good person. This isn't about works, people. This is about finding out who you are in Christ and going out and sharing that. But you may say, I don't even know who it is you're talking about. Well, today we want to give you that opportunity. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, I'm not sure if my heart is right with God, but today I want to know. Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Today is your day. You know, there needs to be a defining moment in each of your lives where you say, today is the day I am giving Jesus my all. I am giving Jesus my heart. If you've never had a defining moment like this and today you want to, 
I'm going to pray. And if you want to be included in that prayer, if today you want to make sure that you have a defining moment, you can say, my heart is right with God. If today you want to make that, I'm going to ask that you would slip your hand up. We're going to pray. And if you want to be included in that prayer, you want to give your heart to Jesus today, will you slip your hand up? Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, we're going to pray together. If you raise your hand or you meant to, I want you to pray this prayer out loud. The rest of the church, if you'll pray this also. Say, oh, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe Jesus died on the cross and that he rose again. Father, forgive me for all that I've done wrong and I choose to forgive all others. Come into my heart today and forever. I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome.